water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down, God's stepping up. That's what football's all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Number one Georgia's best win is the ACC's fourth best team. Clemson is 8-3 and three and life is good. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. We are the Clemson Podcast. This is our Wake Forest recap show. Ben, what an amazing win. That was the offensive breakout performance we've been waiting for all season. Arguably longer than that. And just a complete team victory. Uh, sight for sore eyes. Man, that was fun. I mean, it's the most excited I've been to do a game recap all year long. I mean, we're playing for something, you know, to stay alive um, in the ACC uh, championship game race. I know we still need a lot of help, but man, that was refreshing. It, it felt like Clemson of old. Um, the atmosphere seemed electric. Uh, the crowd noise seemed to be an issue with several false start penalties for Wake Forest. Um and boy, I mean, th- this, this team hasn't given up all year. We keep saying that, and all the hard work uh, looks to have paid off. Ranked number 23 in the college football playoff poll coming out today. Finally back in the top 25. One spot behind uh, UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. So <laughs> we're, we're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> back in the rankings. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Ben, we talked about it in the last show. A lot was made about snubs of this Clemson team Clemson was like number 26 in both the coaches and AP poll and I, I I don't really know how much that stuff matters like at that end of the poll spectrum obviously there are going to be teams that Clemson if if we played in a neutral field we'd be favored against and would probably win by two scores ahead of us in both of those polls I think this is just general punishment from the media and coaches community about expectations of this Clemson team and the talent and what they've actually shown through 11 games of this season. But uh, good to see the committee, I guess, give Clemson its due after an impressive victory against a ranked team or top 10 team at the time in Wake Forest um, and in dominant fashion too. I don't think it was just that we beat Wake. It was that this one was never really that close. Uh, You know, you could argue, I guess going into halftime, it was close. I should take it back, but Clemson felt in control throughout this game. And we'll get into the recap here and how like the game state unfolded throughout, but yeah, good to see that recognition and uh, sets up for a really fun rivalry matchup this weekend with South Carolina. And like you said, good to see Clemson get that win when there was something good to play for against the team that we're jockeying against for ACC Atlantic title hopes. I'm not, I, you know, I don't hold anything against the, the pollsters. Um, whether it be the AP or the coaches poll or even the, the CFP um, for not putting us in there earlier. I know that we have our three losses are to top 25 teams, but in six of our eight wins, we didn't look great, you know? So we talk about the eye test a lot. Um, I'm, the two wins that I think we look good in was the first one of the season against South Carolina state. Like we handled them like we should. 
Uh, and the second being the most the most recent one, the game against Wake Forest. Everything else in between, even the 44 to seven win over UConn was not a pretty win. Um, I, I think had we we beaten down UConn like we should have last week, I think we would have been ranked a week a week earlier. Um, but it didn't happen. And I mean, you saw the play on the field. Did we really deserve it? The defense did. Uh, but yeah, this Wake Forest game, man, that was it was what we needed as a fan base. Uh, it was such a fun game to watch. You said it. We felt like we were in control the whole time, even when the game was like close. Like I still felt like Clemson had it in control and I felt confident about the offense. Primarily because we were running the ball and having success. And listen, Wake was not ready for a, we talked about it a little bit last time. You asked me if I thought a noon game favored the visiting uh, Demon Deacons. And I said, you know, in normal years, I would say yes. But in this year, I think taking the pressure off of this young struggling team, putting it as a noon game with them coming in with the opportunity to take the Atlantic division crown, I thought um, it, it, it did help. It, it took some of the pressure um, off and, Wake just wasn't ready for a big game environment. It's one thing to be good, right, and have a good team. There's another thing to know how, how to win in these moments. And the Clemson football team still knows how to win, right? We've got, like, at least three guys on the team that have been here since 2016 and have been part of two national championship teams. Uh, so it's still within the culture. The play on the field hasn't been up to our level of expectations this year. Uh, but, you know, throw the UConn game out. The offense has progressively gotten better as the season has gone along. We put up you know, 30 against Florida State, 30 against Louisville, had to come back in both of those games. Um, so take the UConn, throw it aside, look at the Wake Forest game, and just look at the continued progression as the scene has, has gone along. And that's with all the injuries. I mean, you saw who ran out there, wide receiver, uh, for this game. I mean, Will Sweeney was out there, uh, not, not because it was senior day, to like <laughs> to give him, you know, give him props for his, his Clemson career, but we needed him out there. Um, you know, he went in motion one time, and I thought of like a kid had gotten loose on the field from the stands. Um, but there he was. Trying his best. No, great to see. You know, it was senior day, so amazing to see the guys that have really sucked with this program, particularly the super seniors. James Skalski, Nolan Turner, Will Sweeney. Um, I'm sure we'll think of a couple others, you know, who came back, paid their dues, got to, got to enjoy this kind of win in that environment on their last home game. Um, it was pretty special. And I agree, Ben, like, I'm sure there's a way you could visualize the number of unique guys that have started on Clemson's roster this entire season, like continue to build a counter of that trend that over the season and then trend, you know, the quality of the offensive output. It's, it's really remarkable that the team has gotten better offensively as you have cycled in more guys, deeper depth, younger youth, all that kind of stuff, you know, throughout the season. And a few things, you know, that, that, that brings up for me, number one is just like the leadership on the team and among the coaching staff to maintain a high level of buy-in and call it culture. If you want um, just a culture of winning and a culture of dedication, as well as ability to develop guys and ability to recruit talent and get guys that you can plug these pieces in and they can, they can continue to fit and work out. Um, we've spent most of these shows this season talking about how much more talent and depth we wish was on the roster. All those things I think are still valid and defensible arguments from us, but um, we got to take a moment just to appreciate those results and how much dedication there's been from the playing, the players and the coaching staff. 
Uh, and to see it culminate in a win like this in week 11 of a pretty tough season with tons of guys that you would never have thought week one against Georgia would end up having a meaningful role on this team later on in the season. It's awesome to see. Yeah. And it's going to set her up better, you know, set us up better for next year. I know this year's results is not what we had all hoped for, but um, there is an upside to all of these younger kids getting some playing time. I mean, you've seen the emergence of Bo Collins. I know Dakari Collins hasn't gotten a lot of, he uh, hasn't had many catches, hasn't had a lot of targets, but he's out there hustling, making blocks down the field. Um, and it's all going to help. And I don't think he, along I don't think you can, blo- I don't think you can block like that if you're not like a twin brother growing up, you know, with a, a, another guy born minutes apart from you. Um, just tough to learn like that. So we're lucky, we're lucky to have that kind of hustle on the team. Considering they have the same genes, I would, uh, you know, I am a little bit surprised Dakari's a better blocker than, than Bo. Uh, but maybe yeah, that's it's the fraternal. One's the blocker, blocker, one's the, you know, deep threat. Yeah, there you that's go. how it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then the young guys on the offensive line, you know, Mitchell Mays was in, in like crucial points during this game. Uh, I did not expect to see that. The offensive line has grown up, and, and like I don't know where this came from. I'll be honest with you, heading into that game, knowing all the injuries and they kept coming, I didn't think we were going to win. I know Wake hadn't seen a defense like ours all year long, and I know that their defense is nothing to write home about, but I didn't think our offense was going to put up 48 points. Did anybody? I don't think so, and I think it was just a matter of – like we, we talked about it in the show last week – the game plan that we saw unfolding for a Clemson victory was, you know, run the ball, which thank goodness that's what happened, but almost play the time of possession game and probably win a low scoring game. Like if you had told me this game goes 75 points, I'm like, Oh man, we probably lose 48 to 27 to wake. Instead. That was the opposite result. Clemson exactly. 48 wake 27. So you know, Dave Clawson doesn't get outcoached very often, and I did think he got outcoached in this game. Um, you know, some great, like, the, the jump pass from Shipley to Davis Allen, uh, calling that then, great play call. You know, I was kind of wondering last week against UConn while we pulled that 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 Will Sweeney play um, on fourth down, the fake field goal in the end zone. I'm like, well, okay, I guess you don't have much left on the schedule or whatever, but I still would have saved it for like a South Carolina or, or Wake Forest or something like that. But uh, this was the right time to, to pull out this play. And I love the commentary on it, how they said that was a Travis Etienne play, that one that they drew up for him. Yeah, they called it Bayou. Right, and they just never you know, had the, the right opportunity to run it. And so got it in this game. I'm sure they were keeping that. They were hoping to keep that one in their back pocket for like a playoff game or something like that. But that obviously isn't going to happen. So cool to see it in this game. I thought Brent Venables uh, did a really good job with the defensive game plan and sending pressure on Sam Hartman um, and keeping well, them rattled off at, at the get go and allowed the offense to score some points and create some separation. Agreed. Like, I think what you want from a game script standpoint, if you're Clemson in this is we always talk about like punch him in the mouth early. Um, it took Wake until their fifth possession to go more than four plays on offense. By then, you know, Clemson already had a 10-point lead. Clemson had already fumbled the ball and punted on its own series. So I think by that point, we were um, a little frustrated. You know, that was also during the time frame where Will Brown had run the ball back. And um, a few plays later, Clemson, I think that might have been when it we was punted Kobe, it away. It was, it was the Kobe Pace fumble. 
yeah, it was a Kobe Pace fumble. So, you know, Clemson was staring down a 17 nothing lead with all the momentum in the world and Wake couldn't do a single thing on defense. Um, credit to Brent Venables in this one, you know, throwing that that type of pressure at Sam Hartman. And I think we knew like Wake's, Wake's O-line was going to be, this was going to be the hardest D-line they would have faced all season. With their center, uh, but, starting center was out. Right, there were some... There were some guys, you mentioned guys out from Clemson. There were also guys out from Wake, um, some guys in their O-line. Their starting stud linebacker was out for a half with um, a targeting ejection. And then they also were down a couple of running backs as well. Not that, I don't know how big of an impact those guys would have made, you know, with, with the type of scoring that this turned into. But um, anyway, like I think just the game plan from Venables to stifle them early, that's definitely worked out and throughout the course of the game then you started to see their o-line and hartman get frustrated i think there were a lot of frustration sacks you know involved there and uh, really wearing down that o-line uh, so superlative game from the d-line and from brett Bettables and the defense overall uh, forcing turnovers you know bundles of turnovers in this one it was great yeah it was a complimentary performance from both sides of the ball you know the, when the when the offense f- for their part answered Four out of five of Wake's scoring drives on the next, the immediate next drive. The one drive where they didn't do it on the immediate next drive, they were still the next ones to score. So Wake never scored twice in a row in this game. So the offense, um, every time you expected them to kind of lay a dud um, on a drive, they didn't more often than not. Um, and the right. defense for their part, you know, they stepped up when they had to. Uh, the, uh, you know, when they were in the red zone within the 10 or whatever earlier and holding them to a field goal when it could have been like 10 to three years, I, I think, um, for their first score. And then also on the toss, the pace that was essentially intercepted by their defensive end and he recovered it for a fumble. Uh, the defense came right back um, and caused a fumble of their own. And then you had the injured booth interception. Yeah, it was. That, that was at the end of the ball. first half, the and, booth and interception. Yeah, and I, I thought the defense really um, – they thrived off the emotion and energy of the offense. You know, they, they've been bringing it all year, but I think for their part to see the offense um, do so much in this game and perform so well, I think it only made them uh, play with a greater level of intensity and just all around. It, it was it was a very heartwarming game to watch. I, I haven't enjoyed rewatching a game really all year uh, in, until this one. Like, I looked forward to it, so – uh, great game he, all around. Great to get the win. We're eight and three at this point. Who would have thought that after the Georgia Tech game, the beginning, you know, third game of the year? Um, like I said, still in the hunt for the ACC championship game if, if some things go our way. And, you know, lined up for at least a decent bowl game, right? Like, yeah, I haven't looked, Ben, at the, like, I'm looking at the affiliations right now. So the latest, the, the latest ACC. prediction is that we're in the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando against Iowa State. That's not very good. Big well, 12. I, you know. <laughs> I, no, no, no. no. I, I don't mean the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, like whatever. I would just want like a more of a powerhouse type matchup. And look, I know they've got a really solid coach, Matt, Matt Campbell, their team on the rise or program on the rise. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, Clemson's dog gets grave in terms of where they go at this point. Um, but keep winning, man. I mean, that's at this point, it's all we can ask for. We won four games in a row. We went out our next two, you know, in the season on a six game win streak. 
it's pretty incredible considering what we saw from, from the team earlier this year. That would be another 10-win season. So there's a lot of bright spots. Yes, this year has been disappointing in, in many ways, but to see this team continue to battle through, and it's, it's not just the young guys that keep fighting, right? The guys that are definitely going to be in the NFL next year, they've, you know, they've kept it up. Andrew Booth, Mario Goodrich, like their passion and uh, the way they get after it and their emotions on the field and their play has, has not dropped off whatsoever. Justin Ross saw him battle through injury all, all year long. And, you know, there's a few other guys with NFL aspirations that have just been grinding it out. So, um, whereas, you know, if you're a team like, you know, an SEC team that might have a couple losses and you're not going to the playoff, guys start sitting or whatever, start looking forward to the NFL draft. Uh, we just haven't seen that with this team. Um, and then the guys that have had to step up and play and fill the, fill the shoes of all the guys that have been injured, you know, they may not be the most talented people in the world, but, you know, they're giving it their all. I mean, Will, poor Will Brown. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man, felt felt that was his moment. Felt so bad for him. But yeah, I keep that arm down, man, down, man. Like nobody was that close to him at that point. So see, I wish I wish Ben there were some type of universal signal to like cancel your call. But the problem then is if you put that arm up, defenders have slowed down their routes and yeah. all that. So, well, yeah, it, it was a little bit like a check swing kind of deal, but it was high enough to I, I didn't have a problem with the actual call on the field. By the letter, totally the, sucks for him. Yeah. By the letter of the law, it, you know, when you rewatched, it was like, OK. I, it, uh-huh. I, I, I hated it less for Clemson going up 17, nothing as I hated it more. I hated it more for Will Brown, like having that moment taken away from him. Agreed. It's, it's no Ray Ray dropping the ball, you know, on the one yard line before he gets into the end zone. But yeah, normally Ben, if you, close. if you fair catch it and you run with it, is that generally a penalty just to like delay the game or like, what is it? I don't know. No, I mean, nobody could be an annoying saying. penalty. They just call it back, right? Yeah, they just call it back. I got it. Um, well, why don't we take a closer look at this game and zero in on the offense? We've already touched on a little bit, Ben. 48 points against really the number one team in the ACC coming into this matchup. Not Nowhere near the best defense in the ACC in Wake Forest, but to do this, to put it all together. We've played a lot of crappy defenses this year and not seen a good offensive outcome. So uh, definitely needed this one badly. Great to see. I think there were certainly moments throughout this game where you could point to and say, man, that, that's evidence of the offense not necessarily clicking. But when that did happen, I feel like the team was quick to pick itself back up, go execute on plays. Um, I, I also want to say I thought that a lot of the play calling in this one was was completely where it needed to be. And there were deep balls. There were plays, and I don't know if it was DJ making the right reads or what, but, um, you know, plays that got him moving with limited mobility, but his legs definitely extended some drives and um, nearly got the team into the end zone. Ultimately, we did. Um, So I don't know. I I just think it was a really well-executed game across the board. Um, We should spend a little bit of time talking about DJ here, but just wanted to get your like overall reflections on the offense and you know how you thought this whole thing came together. Boy, it's funny how you look a lot more competent on offense when your offensive line is playing well. You know, we said it all year long. 
it's not all on DJ. Yes, he has a laundry list of things he needs to continue to work through and get better at, but you saw the team around him play better this Saturday than they, this past Saturday than they have all year long. Uh, the running game was just out of this world, 333 yards running, a 6.2 yard a clip average. Kobe Pace was a monster. Will Shipley, you know, continues to, to run hard. And there were holes out there and some good cuts by the running backs. You know, one thing I'm impressed with most about Kobe Pace is the way he is very patient in following his blocker. And the fact that there was a blocker um, is a miracle in and of itself. So, yeah, that, that set the tone for the game. It didn't put too much on uh, pressure on DJ throwing the ball. And I know he missed some, some wide open balls, but he was, you know, 11 or 19 on the day, 208 yards. Uh, had the one interception, which I couldn't really tell. I went back and watched it. It was a little bit behind Dakari. And I know Dabo came when he came over the sideline, said something to him, uh, like maybe there was something he should have done there. So, um, hard for me to tell like exactly who that was on. It was a combination of both guys. And DJ did have a couple of throws that were um, too far out in front or behind people. Uh, well, then I, just to that point, I, I remember about five throws in the first quarter where yeah. he just did not look sharp. And it took a, it took a while for the broadcast to acknowledge it, but DJ actually had a splint on right. his throwing hand on, on his index finger, like the tip of his index finger. So I, you know, I, I, I choose to kind of give DJ a benefit of the doubt and the pass on that. No and, pun intended. He, that um, one, yeah, yeah th- that he one seemed to figure it out though. Right. Yeah. And that one made up, well, they even mentioned it during the game. It's like, uh, it's going to take for a while him to get used to it. And when I was watching at the bar, like we had the sound, it was nine in the morning. There wasn't a ton of people in there, but I still don't like pick up on that commentary necessarily when I'm watching the game. So when I go back and we rewatch it, I heard it. Yeah. Um, and I do think more than anything, the pass that it affected him the most is that one that kind of fluttered out of his hand. It was you know, down towards the sideline to the right-hand side of the field. Um, and it was a little bit short and behind the receiver. Was it a screen pass early in the game? No, that or, was, it okay. wasn't a screen pass. I think it was out to Dakari. I can't remember. And I know there was two screen passes. Um, one that was low to Davis Allen and then one that was low to Will Shipley. Um, but yeah, I mean, but again, I think overall the the impact of the running game and all the success we had there just took a lot of pressure off him. And then he made some great throws. I mean, can we talk about the throw to Bo Collins where like the whole time you're yelling at DJ, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Like two guys were going to get him and you're just yelling at him to throw it away. And he just comes out of that pocket, sets his, you know, he comes out of that pocket and throws kind of leaning back and just a great ball downfield to Bo, especially considering all that pressure he was under um, had another great one to bow uh, uh, later in the game on a long touchdown pass uh, 58 yarder. So his touch has improved this year. Lots of things he's improved upon. Um, he still has some low throws out into the flats on screen passes and stuff like that. We saw the missed throws over the middle where he's typically a little out in front and high, um, but no sacks on the day. He's, he's looked better all season long. He's got, uh, yes, a, long, a lot to improve upon. But just like the rest of this offense, he's gotten better. Yep, absolute improvement from DJ that we've seen. Seems like he, you know, what we've heard in post-game comments for a lot of the players on this offense, they're playing with a little bit of a chip, a little bit of a spark. 
you know, an identity is starting to form from playmakers on this offense. I think it's great that he's had Bo Collins emerge as a consistent receiving threat. You know, clearly those guys had chemistry um, when DJ was a senior, Bo was a junior. And before that, so um, in high school is what I mean. And just, you know, continuing to kind of get comfortable in this offense. Um, so yeah, great, great to see that out of DJ. And I do think his, you know, throwing motion and kind of getting a grip on the ball, he did manage to figure that out and he was more accurate down the stretch. Nice though, to have a game finally where we didn't need DJ to make all, all kinds of throws to be generating the offense exclusively through him uh, because, you know, the running game got involved. And Ben, I think you mentioned it, just the, the great play we saw out of like out of the O-line and out of the running backs. I think you, that has been something that we haven't always seen consistency on this season, you know, getting both of those units working in, in tandem together to maintain this offense and, you know, not just seeing that execution was a good, good thing to see, but seeing the coaching staff recognize that that was the blueprint to victory in light of DJ's throwing, throwing hand status, um, you know, to pound the rock, get Clemson in a position to run for 300 yards. Um, we were hoping for 200 yards out of the, the running game in this one. And, you know, they more than delivered. So that was great to see. Yeah. Tony stuck to the run. How about that? And I know it hasn't been all that easy, you know, this year to stick to the run is, you know, if you're coming from behind, you're not necessarily going to do that. Uh, but there's been other times during the season where the run, the running game has started to go and then you get into the second half and um, they kind of went away from that. And they've mentioned it a few times this year. Yeah. should have, you know, stuck to the run. They did that in this game and it, it paid dividends when you've got, I, I think Will Shipley is as advertised Kobe pace. I didn't necessarily know what to expect out of him, but boy, am I pleased <laughs> like those two guys plus Phil Moffa, who didn't get a ton of snaps in this game. Right. He did uh, play though. I was a little worried yeah. why he wasn't featured early on. And I think it was just, they were going riding the hot hand between the other two and Moffat did get in. So I was worried a little bit. He might, might have an injury or something that was undisclosed, but he looked fine. You know, he, he may, may not have gotten as much, um, as much push late in the game, but still, yeah, that trio going to be dangerous. Yeah. And I really liked putting pace back out there after his first quarter fumble. Um, it's sticking with him, giving him the confidence. So I, I, I thought that was a good job by the offensive staff, Dabo and, and Elliot, to get him back in there. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was a pretty yeah. good forced fumble from um, the linebacker that kind of stripped the ball. He was in a prone position. I mean, I think Travis Etienne doesn't fumble that football, but right. uh, Kobe Pace will learn from that moment. I wasn't, it wasn't just a completely boneheaded fumble at the time or yeah. a bad technique, that kind of thing. So, and, and I'm sure the coaches recognized that, and that's why they got him back in there. But all, all in all, I was certainly couldn't have been more ecstatic about the run game. I never saw that coming. I, I still think we tend to run the ball at the middle a little bit too much at the goal line. I would love to see it get to the edge. But in general, we got the ball on the edge to the running backs more than we have all year. The tosses to the edge, everything. That was working out really well. Um, you know, you had some linemen down the field, like out blocking in front of them. I thought the wide receivers seemed to block well. The interior of the line got a push. Like, I don't know why. I don't know what was different. I know Rayburn was out there at left guard. They had um, uh, Mason Trotter at center in this game. 
And maybe that was a difference. Like I still trying to figure out why Rayburn wasn't playing more. Did I don't know what like light bulb came on for him uh, at some point during the season, but he's a couple times. Now the first game he came in and started at center and they moved Bachhorst over to left guard. Um, and then this one, him playing left guard. Um, I don't know. There was something there that made a difference. And I was really excited what we saw from the offensive line in this game, especially since we have no other guys left to lose. And I mentioned Mitchell Mays did play. Tate was in there for uh, a, a couple plays, at least had the false start penalty and they yanked him after that. I didn't see much of him after that, but I mean, yeah, it's a, I don't know how much to expect that like moving forward. I don't know how well we'll run the ball against South Carolina. Or I don't think we'll repeat the same thing because Honestly, like Wake Forest's defensive front was supposed to be the best part of that defense. It was the secondary that was supposed to be the weakness. So, again, I was caught a little off guard, but like kudos to Tony and Dabo for for seeing that it was being effective and sticking with the run game. Yeah, don't have much more to add. Just great performance throughout throughout the team on this day. Still looked young, still looked a little bit, you know, in a development mode in pockets, but look like Clemson football again, which, you know, we've said so far hasn't really, haven't really, you know, maybe a few moments here and there, but to sustain that pretty much for four quarters on Saturday, uh, couldn't happen at a better time. Just, you know, protecting the 34 game home win streak. That was also important. Ben, you know, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, that goes back to the pit game. We, we beat Wake Forest the week after pit, uh, in 2016. And then since then it's just been a, been a dominant run good to see that continue you're kind of honoring it'll continue into next year yeah exactly like good you're you think of the eras think of the guys that were on all these teams you you know this this 2021 team for all the all the warts you know continues to play they they can be part of that story um so that that was awesome to see and it was definitely a motivating factor for Debo and the team in this game right not only would the loss have ended that streak but it would have wake forest would have taken home a trophy in Death Valley, in their house, um, which would have been, you know, should have been motivation enough. And they came out and they played with fire. It was, it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, it's, I got to say, like Bo Collins, he's the next alpha. You know, we're seeing all these young guys emerge. He's the next alpha wide receiver on this team. That one-headed catch, I mentioned the 58-yarder earlier where he was uh, interfered against and caught it with one hand, ran to the end zone, made some other great plays during this game. Uh, so excited about seeing him come back next year and yeah i don't know my parting thoughts on the offense and the last point that i'll make uh another thing that we haven't seen all year we've seen this team struggle coming out in the third quarter to put up points they put up 31 second half points 21 of those coming in the third quarter right we haven't seen that all year long nothing close to that so all in all a really inspiring offensive performance if you're a fan and it gives you a lot of confidence going into the South Carolina game and the bowl game and a potential, a, a slim chance, but a potential ACC championship game birth. And Ben, you talk about is South Carolina, like are we likely to have as much success on the ground versus South Carolina as we would wake? I think clearly South Carolina's offense is a lot worse than wake. So does that mean we do in similar fashion, go up with the lead early and need to rely on the run um, South Carolina's defense like, per advanced stats is going to be better overall than wake forest, but I don't know that they're, they're not elite or dominant and really ask any aspect of their defense. So 
you know, rivalry game, they'll get up for this. Beamer will have them motivated, all of those things. But I think just like the game state and how, how lousy their offense is, is probably going to lead them to want to try to shorten the game and, you know, re- remove possessions from Clemson. But I don't know. I, I think just game state, we're likely to be playing with a lead. Maybe that will lead to Clemson trying to run. You know, for me, that's the formula for success. I don't know how much bet, how much more mobile DJ is going to be. Who knows what's up with his hand or his finger, you know, this coming week. Um, I, I say run it back till South Carolina stops you. Oh, absolutely. Stick with the run. Yeah. Um, I it's mean, proven. yeah. And, and it's, it's, I don't care that they beat Florida. I don't care that they beat Auburn. Those are two bad teams. Um, South Carolina is not a good football team. Wake is a better football team than South Carolina. And you mentioned, I don't we'll talk about the defense here in a second. I don't see them scoring much on this defense. And at this point I would expect Clemson's offense to put up 30 minimum against South Carolina, the way they've been playing lately. Yeah, they're uh, let's see. They're 63rd in the country at total net points scored per offensive opponent drive 63rd in the country um not very great so yeah things are looking up um i think clemson fans will get to our game prediction coming up here but uh, the offense should continue to roll this coming saturday down in columbia ben why don't we move over to the defense so you might look at a game ben in which the defense allowed 27 points to a power five opponent was that the highest point total we've had this season allowed on defense to power five. I think it is. Um, where did Louisville end? I think Louisville was in the. Well, to, to any team, not just power five, they ended up with 24. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, worst defensive game of the year. No, not at all. Like I no. think the, the last two touchdowns scored by wake on their final two drives that were not, you know, the, the very end of the game um, were, that was just, deep into the bench on Clemson's side. Like the game was well in hand by that moment. Uh, This was make no mistake, a dominant defensive performance by Clemson. And you just have to think about wake forest and look at what they've done the rest of the season to hold that offense and Sam Hartman. And I thought they had a very solid group of receivers, like tenured receivers, smart guys knew how to get open. Once the, the coaching staff kind of got the, the blitz pickups figured out for the most part, you know, midway through the first, first half um, to, to continue to stifle that offense and that team with pressures and um, heads up play and turnovers. Like really, you really got to see Clemson's defensive talent on display, like at all three levels in this game. And this was as satisfying a defensive performance as we've seen all year, in my opinion. Absolutely. Seven sacks, 10 tackles for loss. (laughs) It was a, Truly, truly a phenomenal game by the defense. It, it helped set the tone early on. Wait, getting the ball first. Um, uh, shutting them down, getting the ball back, going down and, and kicking a field goal to um, take an early lead. And then they kept for the first several drives. They kept Wake at bay, allowed the Clemson offense to kind of get their legs under them, start scoring some points. Again, talked about creating some separation. Um, you know, goal line stand leading to the, uh, holding them to a field goal early on. We talked about the turnovers. Um, yeah, I think Brent Vittables just came with a, with a great game plan. He out schemed the Wake Forest team. Now they caught on, right. They eventually started moving the ball. They started moving the ball with tempo 
and that was certainly effective. But more often than not, the Clemson defense was able to um, to stop them when they needed to and allow the offense to keep extending that lead. Limited the big-time plays. I think that was one of the big things in this game. There was a couple. You know, A.T. Perry had a 58-yard pass reception, and then uh, uh, Jakari Roberson um, had a 31-yarder. But overall, you know, Wake has uh, thrived on big plays all year long, and that's generally been an Achilles heel for the Clemson defense, but I thought they did well in this game. Yeah, pretty, pretty good tackling, I feel like, and not very many, you know, completely blown assignments. Um, certainly, if, if you go back and look, there are probably a couple you could call out. Nothing that egregious, though. Yeah, the tackling has been really good all year. And it's so, I mean, yeah, and you keep seeing the same young guys, like, come through. Like, Trent Simpson, another good game. Andrew McCuba, another really good game. Um, and the defensive tackle position, not only was Rook, you know, causing some trouble, but so was Edinosa Rubin. He was in there on several plays. So I was really excited about what I saw to, out of him. K.J. Henry has continued to step up and play better. So, um, yeah, just – I. I love this defense. It's not what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. I think in hindsight, I mean, obviously losing, losing Brian Brisset is a big deal, but cornerbacks have been solid. The secondary has also been solid. Um, yeah, it was. And I, I didn't know there were 10, 10 tackles for loss and seven sacks. That's like a 24% havoc rate on the game. Like one in every four plays, you're either sacking them or getting them behind the line of scrimmage in a tackle. They were Tough all to over. do much yeah, with that. Venables just kept sending the pressure. We were finally getting home to the quarterback. Yeah, I thought it was a great game plan all around. And the defense, you know, they played their, their hearts out. I mean, you know, it's senior day for guys like Skowski and uh, uh, I'm guessing a bail inspector, right? He's a he's a senior at this point. Yeah, that's right. And Turner and, and Turner, Nolan Turner as well. I think that's where you see on the defense, just the leadership from that side of the ball is much greater than what we've seen on the offense, just by, you know, the, the sheer levels of experience you see. Um, but they played with heart. They played with heart and passion all year. They carried this team for the most part all season long. So it was finally good to see the offense uh, kind of give them a little bit of break and carry, you know, carry the burden and put the points up on the board. Absolutely. Um Turnovers in this one, really great to see as well. In addition to that, have a great, those things are not you know, unrelated. Um, some fumble recoveries, you know, in the backfield. And then um, you mentioned earlier, Ben, the Andrew Booth pick, just a very timely pick at the end of the first half. It was 17-10. And if Wake managed to drive it down and score, which who knows if they can, they convert that first down, like, you know, uh, your worst fears as a Clemson fan would be realized there where it's like, we had a great start to the game. Then their offense got it going and figured it out. Do we really think the offense can keep it up? You know, I, th I think that was a really big lift for the entire team to see Booth come down with that pick and effectively end the half uh, without Wake scoring those points. Um, we he also saw one. He almost had another one in the end zone. Later, uh, do you mean yeah, where they're like their tight end or something caught it, but he almost cut in front of it. Was yeah. that the one? Well, when he fell down, he broke up. He almost caught. I see. Well, and uh, Tyler Venables also, I think, either dropped one or had it had it accessible to him. Early on in the game, yeah. I mean, he dove for it. It was a low ball he tried to pick off the ground. But I do think, you know, Tyler Venables has played really well this year. And the game that he was out a few games ago, I thought we kind of really missed him. And I've noticed his impact since he's been back um, as that kind of that third safety um, kind of sand position or nickel position. 
Um, yeah, he's not a like nickel corner, uh, right? He, or I, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, he, he's out there. He's out there as like a, a third safety in that. I see. Um, yeah. In the dime package, probably. Yeah. So I feel like, um, you know, he Ben. What I wanted to say about Tyler Venables, like he was a solid three star recruit. You know, he he wasn't going to go to Alabama if he didn't come to Clemson, but you know, he was recruited by some pretty solid programs. He's not, you know, a preferred walk-on type scholarship offer here. Um, he's a football so player. He is a football player, and you know, he's got hell of a coach as a dad and as a as a coach as well. So, um, yeah, that's awesome to see. I think um, there's we'll get into this kind of after we wrap up the weight game. Just what's gonna what's gonna happen for next year? But you are seeing a lot of these playmakers. Uh, you know, who are young and kind of getting their moment to shine, actually do that and actually show up and make a good name for themselves. And I think we're, we've talked about how excited we are about the running backs and the receivers, you know, DJ coming back and Cade Klubnik joining as well as a true freshman this coming year. But what we're going to have on defense, I think we're all, we're all there, there's been question marks for us about like the secondary and, you know, depending who comes back from the D line. Uh, but I feel a lot better here in week at coming out of week 11 than I did middle part of the season, knowing we'd be losing some of these guys. So I, I, the future is very bright for Clemson on both sides of the football. Yeah. And the, the defense for sure. Um, a lot of the offense has play, been playing a lot of young guys, but they've been inexperienced. The defense is young, but not so much inexperienced. And the guys that are inexperienced like Makuba <laughs> played really damn well this year even Nate Wiggins got in there he made a, a couple good plays and I think it was the Louisville game and then in this game he had the one PI call but then turned around on the very next play um, had a great uh, pass defense uh, into the end zone um, yeah. so yeah good to see these stars start to emerge you know you're gonna we lose our two best cornerbacks going into the draft next year in Andrew Booth and Mario Goodridge so we're gonna have some holes to fill we guys got have guys like him and Fred Davis and we've still been recruiting really well on the defensive side of the ball. And on that side of the ball, more so than the offense, we've seen consistent development out of these young guys over the years. Um, so, yeah, I feel really confident about, again, it's just so we are going to lose a lot of seniority and a lot of experience, but there's a lot of really talented, capable guys in the coffers. Trying to think if there are any other like standout moments from the defense in this one. Again, just dominance. You mentioned KJ Henry, really good to see him this season emerge and sort of showcase some of that talent that uh, we knew he had when he came in. And he's been surrounded by just a stable of excellent players. You know, he's definitely gotten playing time throughout the year, the years. Uh, but yeah, just feel really good about for KJ Henry. He's really stuck it out here in Clemson um, and good to see him do that. Uh, so yeah, I'd, Awesome defensive performance again. I think South Carolina coming up, 99th ranked offense in the country. Don't know. I mean, they're 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 not even in the same class as Wake Forest offense. So, you know, to see Clemson disrupt Wake the way that they did this week to then get South Carolina, um, it, it it's going to be fun on that side of the football. Yeah, I don't expect to see any surprises like we did from South Carolina a few years ago where they you know, put up all those points at, on us and we still won by three touchdowns. I think the defense is going to control this game. They're going to have a very time, a hard time moving the ball. The offense is going to have consistent and multiple opportunities 
um, to go down there and score. So uh, this weight game, certainly I know heading in, you know, after the UConn game, especially, and after the season, we looked at South Carolina and we're like, well, I know they suck, but it's the rivalry game Weird things happen, blah, 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 blah. And they do, but you got to feel, be feeling a lot more confident from this team heading into that game. Um, for sure. I, I'm taking Clemson. Not for the win, but I'm 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 a place bet on him to cover. What was it? Eleven points, something like that. Yeah, eleven and a half. Right, that's probably a good wager. I mean, um, that like maybe they'll score ten, and we're going to score more than twenty-one. Yeah, I'd I'd probably cap their output on the day at seventeen, and that's like the best best of cases so then we got to score more than 28 yeah it might be worth ben looking at the first half lines like i could see them potentially getting some backdoor points just to make it look closer than it actually was um so yeah see what it's looking like for the first half and i'll do something like clemson by six or seven and a half something like that yeah i also suck at sports betting (laughs) i'm over two in my life i'm terrible prediction so i wouldn't listen to me (laughs) All right. Um, We're going to beat them. Yeah, I think that's that's for sure. Any, I mean, we we did talk about the unfortunate Will Brown near touchdown punt return. That would have been amazing to see. Um, Shipley continued to look pretty solid in kick return duty, although he he does, I don't know, he, he definitely like, he's got a little bit of like the LeBron thing where he will take a while to kind of get up after a play plays out. And you know he's probably not hurt, but he does look like he's feeling these hits overall at this point of the season. I think the guy's just going to really enjoy an offseason to recover. Um, he's a tough dude. You know, he's super quick, shifty. I think uh, he's the right guy ultimately to be returning kicks, and it's great. He's got a coach in C.J. Spiller that is an all-timer at that for Clemson. Um, you know, B.T. Potter nailed a 50-yarder. Did you have a couple of 50-yarders then? They both looked pretty long, and they're they they came at opportune moments for Clemson to get those points. So, yeah, good for might, him. They might have been both, and that that one game aside, where he missed all those kicks, um, I'm confident every time he goes out there from fifty, even feels comfortable with him. He's yeah. just so solid down the middle, and has plenty of leg. Yeah, he's really bounced back since then, and he's he's been great all year. Had to be something going on in his life at that moment. Maybe watching you know, a, a series that was emotionally getting to him, something like that. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Reading the last Harry Potter book, probably. <laughs> Figuring that out, getting through it. Um, and yeah, you know, Will Spires has had a really quiet but good season. Only one punt on the day, Ben. So Dropped in the we'll 20, get... No, it was good. And maybe we'll get Spires' arm moving in the South Carolina game you know, get him some more action somehow. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, like look, hopefully, hopefully from under center. Prefer- no, no, that's not, yeah, yeah. Not even in a fake. I mean, like roll him out there for what could be one of his last games. I agree. Let's do it. Uh, but look like awesome Clemson victory, you know, starting to get some of the recognition that this team deserves. Had had a friend or two ask me like, was this a fluke? You know, is Clemson truly back? Is this like, you know, is this uh, what are, what should we expect from here? 
I do think Ben, this is the real Clemson that we're starting to see here. And it's not, not, you know, the fact that we played a really rough defense in wake. They, they do have a rough defense. We'll see who we get in the bowl game. Um, and that, you know, um, matchups make fights, right? So um, another team could match up with us. They're going to have some film to be able to break down and find some weak spots. But I think you are starting to see offensive line gel. You're starting to see the coaching staff get confident in the run game and in its receiving core. You know, those guys seem to be hustling and blocking on the outside and the defense just firing on all cylinders, you know, despite injuries and turnover, you know, guys are starting to get those like four or five, six games of experience now. And I just think this team is, you know, peaking at the right time might not be the thing to say after, you know, we're really at this point of the season and we're not really moving into playoff contention at all, but it's, it's better late than never. I get, I think is what I want to say. Yeah. Well, peaking at the right time, if you want to end this season and be able to look back and think, okay, it was, it wasn't, you know, an undefeated season and a trip to playoff, but it is successful to a certain extent, considering everything that's gone on. Um, and then, you know, I, I will point out that the, the one friend that asked you that is our friend, Lindsay. Um, she's gotten on me about not giving her a shout out uh, here recently in the past. Um, so I want to make sure we get that in for this. Game. Hi, Lindsay. Well, uh, you know, we'll take the victory here, Ben. Definitely excited about beating Wake, continuing the home win streak, moving on to South Carolina. We've talked about this matchup. Uh, Shane Beamer, I think he has done a fine job there this season. They've taken advantage of opportunities to win tight games down the stretch. So give them credit for that. Um, they are still, you know, a shell of a program from a talent perspective, digging out of the must champ era. But Beamer does seem like the kind of coach that can spin up the right type of energy and hit the recruiting trail hard. So I think that's why it is important for Clemson, you know, just to continue to maintain statewide dominance over South Carolina. Let's not give them a glimmer of hope in this game, you know, continue to have the same type of mentality on defense to stifle them early, get that early lead on offense, and then let the running game lean on them a little bit. And, you know, let's, let's not, let's not give them any kind of, pearls to go and recruit against us with yeah and i don't think that you're gonna see you know right the team doesn't have the playoffs to look forward to so it's not like they're gonna be overlooking them looking past them in this game um it's it's one you know one of the obstacles on our path to a 10-win season and obviously winning the state keeping all these other um you know streaks alive so yeah, I think the guys are going to be up for them. Uh, Frank Beamer, I think, has done a commendable job this year, especially considering their quarterback. Beamer. What's that? <laughs> Frank's his dad. Oh. Frank is his dad. You did yeah. that. <laughs> Shane. We reversed. Maybe I said Frank. You said Frank like uh, uh, 10 shows ago, and I corrected you. So Got it. Shane Beamer. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he has done a commendable job this year, again, especially with their quarterback situation. Um, but – there's ti put out an article um kind of comparing him to the the dabo type personality i know they're friends and everything he's no will must champ uh but i i look you know i think the the win over florida big whoop the win over auburn was just ugly on Auburn's side of the ball and they both are not very good teams and then you look at the losses they have going down the schedule i still don't think i think clemson is much closer uh, to being the former version of themselves than South Carolina is 
um, to, to being at the level Clemson has been in recent years or is even at right now. So again, anything can happen in the rivalry games. Um, you you want to take, obviously you want to take it seriously and you want to hope these kids are well, you know, focused and well-prepared. And I think they will be, you know, they've, they've got a lot still left to play for this season and they've been playing with pride all year long, even in the losses, even in the close wins and the ugly wins, like they've been playing with pride and they're going to continue that and take that into this game. They know how important it is uh, to win the state championship um, and how much different this season will look if they win this game and go on to a better bowl game, as opposed to losing this game, going to seven and, or sorry, eight and four, going to you know a worse bowl game so it's it's huge it makes a different a huge difference on how we'll perceive this season looking back yeah agreed so there's a lot on the line ben you talked about not necessarily looking past this team and i agree there's not a um a surefire you know playoff bid on the line or a surefire acc championship bid um i will mention though UNC NC State plays Friday night and then Wake BC plays up in Boston on Saturday morning. I was just I haven't checked that the, up. Yeah, I haven't, and our game's at what 7 30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it's so a we'll noon know. game. So we will know. So there will be an element, but and you've had some Clemson guys. I forget exactly who had this quote. He's you know, he said, We're oh, we're gonna be watching that those scoreboards all day. But I don't think it means they'd be looking past South Carolina and look. We could lose to South Carolina and still make the ACC championship game. Like I think, Clemson, I think they'll be more fired up. Exactly, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it, for the ten win reason and the you know just all the all the reasons you mentioned why it would be important to get a win. I think knowing that they had clinched the Atlantic by that point too, then it would be just all right. It's a party. Let's go celebrate on the field by whooping the Gamecocks' ass. And those South Carolina fans, they're going to be fired up because they still, you know, they think they have a pretty good chance just based on how our season has gone so far. They're not really paying attention to how bad their season has been, even though they are bowl eligible and um, they've beaten some brand name teams. They haven't beaten any good teams, Um, but boy, it'll be nice. It would be really nice to kind of come back after halftime and see majority orange in the stands. Could see it for sure. Wouldn't be the Um, first time. It's not a great environment, but it, you definitely have seen some fun games there in the past. It's a great environment like when you're there in orange with a bunch of other people in orange and there's very little garnet in sight in the second half. I've been there before for that, 63-17, I was there. Um, so it actually is a pretty great environment when they're all gone and out in the fornicating in the parking lot behind dumpsters. <laughs> when they've thrown all their last Coke bottles at the field, it's time to go. <laughs> All right. Well, we will certainly be back to recap the South Carolina matchup. Um, Broader picture, longer term for Clemson, you are starting to see the coaching staff address a few things about the future. Uh, Dabo did talk about the need to use the transfer portal. I think he's doing that, you know, saying those things, doing that not out of enthusiasm for it, but out of almost resignation for needing to. I think this will be the year that you do see Clemson take more than one portal transfer into the program potentially to fill gaps vacated by guys that were not necessarily anticipated attrition. Uh, But Dabo also talked about the opportunity to potentially take as large as a 20 man class here in the 2022 class. Uh, So that's all that we've really been asking for Ben is we don't care if it comes in through high schoolers signing 
scholarships and signing bigger classes, or if it is tapping into that portal and recruiting guys that, you know, have been through the grind a little bit, either way, let's field a full roster. Let's, you know, for seasons like this, where you do have a lot of injury-based attrition or transfer attrition plan for that, be fielding a full 85 man scholarship type of program and team. And it does, you know, in my mind, I'm taking some of Dabo's comments here as a positive that he is adapting. He does acknowledge the need for that. And some stuff has kind of caught up to the program this year. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking it as a win. Absolutely. And to his, in his defense, it's, it's changed drastically enough that college football has to the point um, where, I mean, he's, he's forced to, and, you know, he hasn't necessarily had to do that in the past, been a couple of things, the transfer portal and then COVID hitting at the same time with the six year of eligibility um, for most of the guys on the team. Um, so faced with those two things, I think he made the inevitable decision that he's, he's going to have to ex- explore that route. And I think more than anything moving forward, like this six year eligibility thing will go away um, in, until our next global pandemic, uh, whenever that will be. Uh, but the transfer portal is a very w- real thing. So I don't think he's going to be going out there and taking like five guys every year, maybe one or two. Some years he still may take none. But in years where you really need it, like don't be afraid to, to, to dip your toes into it, um, especially when it's going to help your football team as a, as a whole because that um, you're doing justice to the other players on the team that are fighting their ass off to go in there and, and make a playoff and win a championship every single year, you know, you want to do your part to put them in the best position. I appreciate and respect uh, the Clinton, the Clemson family atmosphere and the things he's trying to build and um, give, you know, make sure people get their, um, uh, you know, what they, the things that they deserve for everything, all the hard work they put in, but you also have to acknowledge that guys are just going to up and leave because they want more playing time. So you have to compensate for that. Um and that's just kind of the nature of the beast at this point. And glad to see he's finally come out and mentioned that. And I, I, I said, you know, earlier in the season about midway through, like, listen, stop talking about the transfer portal because he can't do anything about it until after the season. So I wasn't really concerned about what he was going to say about it until after the season was over. So, you know, as it so happens, he's come out with, you know, at that point, three games left and mentioned, yes, you know, we're going to have to look into it. Um. But, you know, we've still got other bigger fish to fry before that happens. We've got a South Carolina game this weekend, hopefully an ACC championship game, and definitely a bowl game. Other updates from Dabo. There are there have started to be some announcement from, announcements from players about their intention to return to the team or enter the, enter the transfer portal to exit or look, look ahead to the NFL draft. Uh, Justin Ross, most notable, underwent foot surgery this last week. Uh, sounds like that went really well. Dabo saying he would be eligible for a bowl game if he wanted, but looking like Jay Ross is definitely going to go to the draft. Um, I, I believe Ben, we talked about it in last week's show, like totally deserving of that. You know, that's, that's likely the right move for him. If he were come, to come back to Clemson next year, like, yeah, he might show out and have a superlative performance and maybe be a first round draft pick. He still might be like, we don't know what he does in the the combine and maybe he does come back for a bowl game and have like a three touchdown performance. Who knows? I think he's probably done as a tiger personally, but you never know that extra, extra data point for him. If he feels up for it, you know, might not hurt his stock depending who we're playing. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely miss Jay Ross. A um, couple of tight ends are going to be leaving the program. 
Jalen Lay and uh, Braden Galloway. I don't think either of those are a true shock. A little bit of a bummer that we never really saw Jalen Lay get too much consistent playing time to see what I, I know he was a highly tatted recruit coming in. Um, and Galloway missing that suspension season definitely sucked um, probably for his overall development as a player. So we wish those guys well. Um, that's going to open up some additional scholarship flexibility. And I'm glad that they're declaring that kind of stuff now. I don't know if the team is kind of forcing the wrong word, but kind of encouraging those decisions to be made here early just so they know, yeah, do we need to take some more guys in the 2022 freshman class or, you know, if the, if those attrition points happen a bit later, then you are sort of forced to use the portal, which I think we've already talked about the coaching staff's, you know, preference for that. And I wonder if, I think obviously they have these conversations with the players every year. I do wonder if it came a little bit early this year because of what you just mentioned with the portal, um, early signing period with recruiting and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not just those guys. He's had conversations with several guys on the team. Goodrich was another one. Um, I think McFadden is coming back, though, which is huge. Yeah, that's that's a big one we wanted to mention. Yeah, that's incredible depth and uh, experience coming back on the O-line. At, uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, does he stick at left tackle or go back to right tackle and have Tristan Lay come in at left tackle uh, next year or even move Walker Parks over? That probably won't happen. But, um, yeah, I mean – J-Mac coming back is massive. Um, Goodrich, I know, Ben, everyone thinks he is going to go. I think Dabo said he's still undecided. He's going to kind of take a look at draft grades to make his call. I thought um, he did one... say he was going to go. Okay. okay. Could well be. Not sure. I'm pretty sure Booth is. And then. Um, Who should definitely be gone? Like, thank you, young yeah. man, for your service. You're ready for the NFL. Yep, absolutely. Could be a first rounder. Um, I will be curious and, you know, we don't want to get into speculation of what guys are going to do. Oh, Xavier Thomas is definitely also gone. Same situation. Thank you for that guy sticking with it at Clemson, uh, battling back from COVID complications. I think he had asthma. Um, just, yeah, like incredible career for Xavier Thomas. Watch out for him, Ben, this week against South Carolina. You know, that, that whole fan base chirped at him when he chose Clemson over them. Um, he, he may have a show out game. Wouldn't be surprised. I think a lot of guys in that defense are, uh, Tyler Davis. What do we think? Battled some injuries uh, well, this year. I did actually want to call him, bring his name up. So he, um, he went down on a play. I don't know what the pur- purported injury was going to be. Two plays later, he nearly ran down the forest receiver. That was great. I mean, he, his closing speed looked a little bit like William Perry, like a William Perry highlight from back in the day, Clemson, Clemson end. Um, I guess maybe his tackle, but yeah, man, uh, Tyler Davis, one athletic dude. I, I don't know, Ben, I, I think probably go to the NFL, but that would be a shot in the arm. If we got him back with Brzee next year, you would think he'd be gone, but you know, stranger things have happened. It also matters. Uh, it'll make a big difference too. Uh, what Brent Venables decides as far as open coaching positions this year and whether or not he decides to move on. Um, I, I, th- I would think that would influence him as well. I think you would expect Tyler Davis to be gone. And what we've seen out of Rook and Edinosa Rubin makes us really excited for next year, not to mention Trey Williams and Demonte Capehart should come back healthy. Oh, and Brzee. Harry. Yeah. Uh, Brzee. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, right. So, yeah, I mean, but like you always take him back, right? But yeah, I mean, he's a he's an NFL caliber player for sure. That that when he was running down, that guy was amazing. He is definitely faster than a healthy DJ running. That's true. Yeah. So a little bit. I don't want to use the words injury prone for Tyler Davis, but can get banged up and nicked up from time to time. Um, violent, you know, violent guy there in a violent position. Uh, so yeah, maybe, you know, if he does feel, if he's got that championship Jones, um, if he, you know, wants to play with his brothers one more time, that kind of thing, like, come on back. We definitely, definitely could use him. I wonder with BT Potter getting an extra year of eligibility. Like, I don't know where, his position like where he would rank is a NFL kicker place kicker possibility, but he puts the ball at the back of the end zone on kickoffs. Um, he's got a leg that's good from 60 and he's consistently improved his accuracy you know, year over year. He's a tiny kid, but. So we do Ben have a three-star or something kicker signed to this recruiting class named Robert gun, the third RG three. Well, that's great, but he ain't going to transfer nowhere. Um, he, he can sit yeah. one more year behind BT. Yeah, that's it. That would be two two scholarships for kickers, though. I have a feeling that he might go. Um, well, go where? Does he have BT I mean, Potter might go to the NFL? I think okay. that's my point. Um, but who knows? And didn't was I guess Pinion was drafted, wasn't he? I know he was a punter, but Pinion left early, got drafted in the fifth round. Right, crazy. And like he's a great pro, like. Super the Niners drafted him. Yeah. Super Bowl champ for the Bucks. You know. Um, yeah, opinions. So anyway, I there's not really a corollary there for Potter, but I I have a feeling he could end up kicking it on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, kickers, place kickers don't get drafted usually. Punters, I think, do more often than not, but you know, end up sign as a undrafted free agent and go from there, make a nice yeah. little career. Yeah, so I, I think we do have his successor already planning to come in. Uh, Potter and then Hugel both kicked their freshman year on. So hopefully uh, young Mr. Gunn is going to be able to step into that role if BT does go to the league. Can you imagine RG3's commentary on RG3 next year calling Clemson? It's going to be great. Man, I, I do like Robert Griffin III in the booth. You know, he – there were some hard truths that Clemson fans had to stomach in that NC State game, but he's funny it, the too. He keeps it loose. Was he calling the Florida State game or was it the Louisville game? I think it was Florida State when we played. Um, he he called two Clemson games this year. Forget when the second one was. It was a more recent game, but either uh, way, great commentator. He brings good energy to the booth. Um, we like we like our G three. Let's hope he's assigned to a few bowl games. That'd be really fun. Cool. Well, Ben, I guess we should address it. Um, the ACC Atlantic is still up for grabs. Clemson has six conference wins. We have the head-to-head win over Wake Forest, but we do have the two conference losses. In order for Clemson to win the Atlantic, pretty simple. We need the Pack and the Demon Deacons to both lose this weekend. Uh, NC State hosts UNC on Friday. Not sure where Mac Brown is on wanting to do Dabo any favors here, considering we go head to head with them on the recruiting trail. We know those guys are friends. Um, and I'm sure Mac would love nothing more than to improve, you know, to seven and five, get into a better bowl and stymie NC State and Dave Doran. So 
that's on Friday night. And then on noon Eastern on Saturday, um, Wake Forest coming off this loss goes up to Boston College. Then BC lost to Florida State, although Dracovic did throw for 300 yards in that game. It's just, uh, yeah, losing a game to Florida State, I don't know if they're going to have the offensive firepower to outpace and outscore a Wake Forest team. Uh, but Wake's defense is pretty prone. And, you know, there is a world where perhaps it's more of like a clock control, game control kind of offensive output for BC, you know, that, that could make that interesting. I was going to check the weather up in Boston for this weekend um, just to see how, how brutal that's looking. So do, is Wake Center gone for the year? I don't know that. I haven't. Because I think that was, the... I think that probably also had a lot to do with their, their offensive performance in this game. I mean, I, all, all the credit goes to our defense and Venables and his, his game planning, but we've seen what happens when you struggle at center. Um, so that makes a huge difference. And that could be a, you know, a factor in this game for sure. And then wake on the road coming off of a, you know, really kind of demoralizing loss. I mean, they still have, you know, everything to play for that they've been hoping for a, a chance to get into the ACC championship game, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I think North Carolina can certainly beat North Carolina state and Boston college could beat wake forest. Like there's, we got a shot, man. There's still, you know, two, two, we're down to just two things needing to go right. Right. A few weeks ago, mm-hmm. it was several things. Now we're down to just two. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Like by Saturday morning, it could be all over, right? If North Carolina State wins that game on Friday night, then as far as, you know, the Clemson is out. As far as we're concerned, yeah, then, then we're out at that point. Um, then we're pulling for Wake because screw Dave Doran. Yeah. That's exactly. how I feel. Exactly. Uh, but it's going to be low 40s and showers in Boston on Saturday. Ooh, so that's a that's, ground and pound type of game. That's ugly. I know. Yeah. Let's get, let's get that Tar Heel win Friday and then let's make Saturday more exciting, you know, gear up, gear up for that game in Boston watch that and then roll into the South Carolina game. Man, I have never been so excited to go into a weekend of ACC football. <laughs> it's insane. We are back to <laughs> needing like crazy upsets in random ACC games for us to have a shot at the division. Is it but, 2008, I mean, Ben? Like the poetic justice, if we end up yeah. in there and then end up going back and beating Pitt and winning the ACC crown, I mean. See, that's <sighs> what, I mean, obviously we want that, duh. But like, it. W- poetic is a good word. Just, I want that so badly. What I really cared about, Ben, obviously was just like beat Wake, do it in impressive fashion, like yeah. show people Clemson's not dead, show the recruits, everything. Like get DJ some more flashy moments. All that has happened. Awesome. Now I care about beating South Carolina. Let's let NC State lose. And then if we win the Atlantic, great. And like getting another crack at Pitt and Narduzzi after what he said, um, coming out of our, our performance and, you know, just a little bit of pettiness there. That would be, I think if we get into that game, we're winning that game. We're winning yeah, the ACC. Kind of, uh, kind of like uh, Notre Dame from last year. Oh yeah, easily. Give us For a sure. second. Give us a second shot with a much better team on a neutral field. The only unfortunate thing for me is I actually booked a vacation for that weekend. 
Uh, so you're, are you like not gonna be I, able to watch or I, you're not, I'll be able yeah. to watch, but I won't be with, you know, I won't be with, uh, our Clemson folks at the bar, but I'll be able to watch. Um, I, I can't remember if I just didn't realize that was the ACC championship game weekend. And it's just been so long since I had a kind of a real vacation that I was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. Um, or I was like, there's no way in hell we're going to make it. <laughs> right. It was a, a you're yeah. like, well, I won't be busy that weekend. So, right. I think um, I booked it after the pit game, maybe. So what, you wouldn't be blamed for having done that. Let's put it that way. So true. Um, I'm just happy, Ben, like we're at this point of the season and there's still something left to play for or hope for at least. And 10 wins, 10 years in a row would be incredible considering it had been since the eighties getting 10 wins before that. So um, still, like you mentioned, a lot to play for. What do we, we're sitting on a six game South Carolina winning streak at this point. Uh, what's the longest win streak? Do you know offhand, like where, where seven would rank? It's gotta be up there. I would say like seven or eight must be the record. Good question. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we've beaten them a lot and we've be- beaten them several times, several times in a row. So um, yeah, the longest win streak was seven from 1934 to 1940. So we could match that. I think that was all in Columbia too at the fairgrounds. Yeah. Like up until the fifties, they never came up to death Valley. We always played either at their stadium or neutral site in Columbia. Boy, did they regret making that decision. I mean, even then we had a significantly lopsided record in our favor, even when they didn't come up to Clemson. So, yeah, they've just always been pretty bad, except when Spurrier was the coach and then he just quit on them. Right. It's true. Up and left in the middle of the season. So what do you think? Does he get another shot at the Florida job, Ben? They just go back to Spurrier at this point. I was hoping they were going to make him interim coach, at least for the rest of the year. That would be really fun. Why not? Like, that'd be great. Um, I Crazy. Like, hear me out. Urban Meyer, Florida head coach. Who says no? I, you know, you get in a lot more trouble if you get caught with a girl dancing on you at a bar in a college town. I guess he was in Columbus true it was his restaurant that's true yeah i mean all he has in to columbus do, yeah okay so maybe he just builds a restaurant in gainesville and all's good it's florida ben anything goes there that is true it's lawless yeah i don't i mean the coaching carousel is interesting i don't know how many of these races necessarily impact clemson i mean to look tony elliott is being considered for a few of these coaching jobs rumored for virginia tech rumored for tcu I think what you mentioned last week is, is right. You know, let's see what roles open up and vacate by some of these names getting hired. And does Tony, I mean, look, Tony could, after this performance, like that's another thing about this game. Um, You know, he's got his fastball still, you know what I mean? You know, as an offensive coach. So is there, you know, does that boost him up in any of these coaching searches? You do have some guys signing extensions like James Franklin and, Looks like Mel Tucker at Michigan State is probably going to stick around and take a big contract up there. So uh, crazier things have happened. Like Tony Elliott could be on the move. Uh, that's one to watch, one to look for. Um, so another he, thing, yeah. while we're talking about this, just another thing to consider when we're talking about um, our eventual bowl game this year is that if either Venables or Elliott are going to make the move, it's going to happen before that. 
like they're going to need to get a jump start on recruiting and building their team. Um, yeah. So basically if we haven't heard anything by like ACC championship weekend or the week after that, like that, then you get into the early signing period. Like you'd think they'd likely make a move by that point, unless truly they're waiting for one of those other jobs to open up. So um, yeah, if it hasn't happened by like December 15th, probably won't happen this year. Right. I'm still thinking Elliot is going to, you know, make the most of this opportunity and move on. We'll see with Venables how badly he really wants to. I know Larry Williams wrote about that then. Um, And look, if the guy woke up tomorrow and was like, I want to go for it. Like he could, any number of these openings, LSU, Florida, USC, you know, we'll see if Auburn comes open. Like some of these others, like would love to have him there. So um, it's really, you're right. It is a Brent Venables based decision. Uh, but there really has been no smoke other than that Larry Williams article. Like maybe that could happen. So that's a good thing. I also think want teams, Brent to teams tend to do a lot better job these days of keeping this type of stuff under wraps. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, the one thing I did want to point out, Ben, I was thinking about this. Dave Aranda, Baylor's head coach. He's in his second year there. First year, pretty rough start. He made a lot of very conservative choices you know, with game situations and they lost a bunch of games. They shouldn't, he's had a really good year at Baylor and, you know, kind of changed his, some of his philosophy on aggressiveness with play call or, you know, with game state and aggressiveness of going for it on fourth down, that kind of thing. You know, if a guy like Dave Aranda, who really well reputed defensive coach, you know, if, if there's a proof point out there of a really solid defensive guy that can go in and be a successful head coach in the big 12, um, that, that kind of worries me with Venables. Maybe he looks at that as a proof of concept that he could potentially take his act up to the next level. Um, I say that if he wants to do it, he's earned the right. We should all be supportive. I'm just selfish and greedy. We'd love to keep him in Clemson. So with that being said, like just take in this game coming up on Saturday. Oh yeah. Enjoy every minute, every snap, like, we, you never know, like the era will change after this, no matter what. So, um, you know, it's gonna be a fresh crop of guys. Like a lot of, a lot of long time Clemson Tigers are going to move on. Um, James Skalski, Nolan Turner, like, you know, a lot, all the dudes we've already mentioned. Um, you continue to see guys that contributed to championship teams in the past move on. It's always bittersweet. A lot of these guys might play on Sunday. That'd be cool. Um, so yeah, just continue to enjoy the era. It's been a tough year, but we're finally getting to, you know, get back to a place where it feels like solid Clemson football. It's gotten better as the year's gone on and not worse. So we've got that. Um, did you see Skalski's mom's video? I I've, did. I've, she, uh, I've never seen a parent so proud and happy of a kid who stayed at college six years. <laughs> yeah. Well, she wasn't footing the bill, but yeah, you're right. You're right about that. <laughs> Um, no, it was awesome. Um, there's a clip out there on social media tonight of a press conference and he was asked about, you know, what his father would have, what advice he'd give him or what he would have thought and all that stuff and really poignant moment. Definitely encourage people to check that out. But Skalski is an incredible leader, um, really just, you know, define the face of the defense for a while and, um, it'll be, he'll leave big shoes to fill. I am confident though, like a Trenton Simpson, 
coming in, he's going to give you a lot more of like a Kendall Joseph type look of like that athletic Mike linebacker. You'll probably see Barrett Carter take over at the Sam linebacker position. And we'll have to see probably Trotter or uh, Levante Bentley at the will linebacker position, but um, that's going to be probably a more athletic uh, linebacker core. I'm trying to remember what year that, that reminds me of, you know, looking back probably like a 2018 class where we had Simmons on the outside and Kendall Joseph in the middle. Um, in any event, you know, future's bright, but it's really good. One last run. Let's really enjoy these guys and enjoy the South Carolina game. All right. Well, that is that, Ben. I think we can wrap this one up. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Really appreciate the listens this season. It has been a journey. Um, we're almost done, so let's definitely kind of try to savor the rest of the way. Um, we'll be back to recap the South Carolina game, figure out what's going on. Is there an ACC title game against Pitt? We know that would be the opponent. Or is it just bowl season look ahead? Um, in which case, we need to wait a few more days to figure out our fate in that regard. Uh, but yeah, really looking forward to you know the postseason here starting to ramp up. Um, college football playoff rankings, Ben, I don't know that we need, need to go over that too much. Interesting to see Cincinnati creep into that top four uh, just from a, a positioning standpoint. Obviously, they can fall out if they lose to uh, either of the next two weeks. Um, that, could, that could definitely cost them. But I would say, like, I guess they play East Carolina this week, and then they have Houston in the AAC championship. But if they go chalk, I don't, I don't necessarily know if anyone's going to be able to move up above them um, now that they're in the fourth spot. You know, I guess it's possible if someone in the Big 12 runs the table and maybe you get two SEC teams in and Ohio State runs the table, you know, then they would be picking a Big 12 team over a Cincinnati. But, uh... I don't know. I think like for them, it's good. I, Notre Dame is sitting there with one loss only to Cincinnati. And it would be funny to make Notre Dame have to go to the playoff and get their ass kicked by Georgia. But I'd like to see some some new blood in there personally. Notre Dame friend of mine mentioned the same thing. He's like, I don't think we want to go to the playoffs. Listen, all I hear about is we have um, two weeks to jump 19 spots to number four. So let's do it. Go Tigers. Why not win both these games 63 to nothing? Like, we'll see. If Clemson looks like Clemson, it's not going to happen, but, you know, make them think about it. Uh, want to wish all our listeners happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone's able to, you know, take some time to relax with friends and family. Ben, we're going to go golfing Friday. I'm looking forward to that. There's a rumor that Cody's going to show up. We'll see. Um, looking forward to seeing him, too, if, if he actually does, does make it out. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's been a long year, lots to be thankful for. And, um, you know, I think the world could use a moment of inter introspection and, gr and gratitude. So, uh, or introspection and reflection on gratitude. So um, let's do that this week. Enjoy the South Carolina game. And that's all I got to say. Let's wrap it there. As always, go Tigers.